Oh, Father God, that's our heart's cry, being made in your image for your glory. Give us Jesus. Because the reality this whole world doesn't compare to him, to knowing and loving him and being set free by his work on the cross for us. Oh, Father God, because we're yours and you love us, send the spirit of Jesus. May heaven come down and may glory fill our souls, the glory of knowing and loving Jesus. Oh, God, you are an indescribable God who can speak and create all things and hold all things together that knows the name of each star, that knows our hearts, the depth of our hearts, the foulness of our hearts, and yet loves us just the same. You truly are a great and mighty Savior, Jesus, a great and mighty God. Come be with us. Bless us. Give us Jesus today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. As our young people leave for O Kids Worship uh, right now, it'll be a time for you also to look around to see if you recognize, don't recognize somebody and greet them. So young people, you can head toward our, our light there. If you're a, a guest with us and you want to go see where your kid is disappearing to, to the dungeon and we send them, you may want to go. But again, we greet one another as our, our children are, are being passed and say hello to anybody you haven't seen before. All right. Good morning, Orangewood. How's everybody this morning? <laughs> I was given a plaque this week, a kind of a little sign. You probably have seen them. They look a little bit like a chalkboard, and they have a, a saying on them. They're uh, filled really around my house. We look for these. And my sister-in-law, Carrie, stepped way out of character and gave me a present this week. But I love it. Uh, it said, join me, it says, join me for happy hour every Sunday morning. <laughs> join me for happy hour every Sunday morning. I'm not sure what she thinks about her brother-in-law with happy hour, but the reality is, is that's the truth of what we do this morning. Join us every hour that we get to celebrate what our great, amazing God has done for us. The good news that God is with us. The amazing news that God is for us. The incredible news that God has rescued us through the work of his son. So my brothers and sisters, welcome to happy hour. And this is, this is happy hour. Um, the world has their own happy hours. Uh, those happy hours are designed to forget your troubles. And the world's happy hours are designed to uh, drink away your sorrows or, or drink away your troubles. But the happy hour that God has given to us is not to forget, but to remember. To remember the blessings that God has given us and to give thanks. To remember, to have this a happy hour of remembering of whose we are in Christ Jesus, because we have a tendency to forget and to give thanks for the amazing sacrifice God has made on our behalf. This is truly a happy hour. As, as uh, Jack started the worship service with a call to worship, 
uh, he looked at the passage that we will be looking to, Philippians 4, 4 and 5. We're going to continue that. But it says some crazy stuff. Did you hear it? It says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And as we look at that, that word rejoice and rejoice always, it's really saying rejoice greatly. In the original language, it was the same language used to describe a festival throne for a god. So that rejoice greatly in their god, a big, huge festival. This is what it's saying to us. My brothers and sisters, we should not only rejoice in the Lord, we should have a big tailgate party. I'm just waiting to roll up here one Sunday and everybody's got their burgers out and they're cooking and we're, you know, we're singing, let's go, Jesus. Let's go. You know, maybe uh, we got the Holy Spirit. Yes, we do. We got the Holy Spirit. How about you? You know, this, this passage of rejoicing, uh, Paul wasn't thinking of us Presbyterians. This is not what the eagles call uh, those who sang a peaceful, easy feeling. Although we like that and we love that in Christ Jesus. This is an exuberant joy that bubbles up with the fact that we are going to be having a happy hour, a celebration, a tailgate. Come on, let's do it one Sunday for what Christ has done for us. Well, as we unveil the secret, we're in this journey through Philippians. And we just spent five weeks trying to find joy in the journey. Paul tells us that we can have a joy in Christ Jesus that goes beyond our circumstances. Amazing. That really, no matter what is happening in your life right now, maybe relationally, maybe financially, maybe emotionally, uh, maybe your circumstances are, are, are fairly dark. Maybe they're fairly light. But Paul has said in all things that there's a secret that the gospel of Jesus Christ reveals to us that we can find two things, contentment in everything. Wow. And joy in all things. Joy for the journey. He tells us that we can rejoice always. Did you hear that? Rejoice always. Seriously. I mean, I want to think, do we have to live in in delusional, delusion or denial? I mean, can we really rejoice always? Well, the answer, again, is found in God's word and, and in Jesus Christ and the gospel. So let's look to this incredible passage of Scripture, uh, Philippians 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 14 and 19. Uh, you'll have it listed for you in the bulletin if you want to follow along that way. Happy hour. You ready? Listen to God's word. It's incredible. Always be full of the joy in the Lord. Maybe you want to underline that, in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate or gentle, or even as Tyndale translated it, soft in all you do. Hmm. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Or maybe your translation says, the Lord is near. Emmanuel, God with us. Don't worry about anything. There's an easy one. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, 
which exceeds everything we can understand. His peace will will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Not only thinking, but keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Let's hit pause here for a moment and say, I I can hardly fathom that last verse. Every verse has been amazing. But did you hear what Paul just said? Put into practice everything you've seen and heard from me. Can anybody come up here and say that? I mean, I I wish I could stand here as your pastor and say, hey, listen, I want you to put in practice everything that you've seen and heard from me. But the reality is, if you've been around me enough, you've seen and heard some things from me that aren't very Christ-like. What an amazing standard. As Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Let's go to verse 10. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to, uh, to help me. This is, uh, has to do with a gift that was sent from the church in Philippi all the way to Rome where Paul was in prison. Uh, this is a church that has repeatedly, out of their poverty, loved Paul and supported Paul and seen a partnership with Paul. But here we get to the secret of contentment. Not that I was ever in need, for Paul says, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret in living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, whether plenty or little. Paul says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength and And maybe you can see Tebow's eye black with that passage of Philippians 4.13. But it's so much more than throwing touchdowns. Paul is saying the secret of the contentment is learning to do everything by Christ's power who gives us strength. And I needed to include verse 14 for many of us. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As Paul is telling us to rejoice always, as Paul is telling us to be anxious about nothing, as Paul is unpacking this, we need to realize he's in prison. He's in a Roman prison cell. And so he was speaking reality that many of us can understand. Is it difficult for you right now? Is life very, uh, circumstances very hard? You're not exempt from this. Good news. God wants you to know how to find joy in the midst of your brokenness, even now. And lastly, look at verse 19. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which you have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Sometimes I wish it says that he will supply all of my wants, but all of my needs according to his glorious riches as God's son in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, what a passage. It's, it's almost uh, ridiculous to think that you call us to rejoice always. And not just that peaceful, easy feeling, but to be exuberant. 
it seems that we got to live in denial that we don't worry about anything. How realistic is it for us to pray about everything? And how in the world can we have peace that passes the understanding of the reality and the circumstances of our life? This sounds good, but this sounds divine. So, Father, you're going to have to do that which only you do. Because I can't make sense of this in my human flesh. So, Jesus, would you come and through the brokenness of this preacher, would you speak? And can you speak in a way that our ears hear Jesus and our minds can understand what seems to be beyond understanding? And our hearts can believe what seems to be beyond believable? And that our feet can walk in a manner that seems a bit unobtainable, all for the glory of you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay. How in the world are we to rejoice always? Rejoice always in all circumstances. And really, this is found in that secret that we've been pursuing, the secret of being joyful and content in each and every circumstance we find ourselves in. And basically, we've been given the answer this morning like we've been given every morning. We can rejoice always because did you hear what God's word said to us this morning? We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So here's the really good news. God's not saying, hey, good news that buck up, uh, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and, and, and rejoice in, in your own strength, your own situation. He's saying, no, I want you to look to something so much greater than yourselves, a reality that's so much better than you. Look to Christ. You and I can do all things finding the ability to rejoice at all times, the secret of contentment in all circumstances through Christ Jesus and the reality of what he has done and the way he strengthens us. He empowers us to do what we are called to do. Isn't that such good news about our great God? Not only is he the one who empowers us, he's the one who supplies us all that we need. Uh, all that we need, he will supply. So not only is he empowering, he's also meeting our needs. Therefore, we need to rejoice in what? Rejoice in the Lord. That's the key. The key is, is who we are in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the reality of what God has done for you to wipe away your sins. Rejoice in the reality of what God has earned for you through what his son has done. Rejoice in the reality of whose you are now in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always in the Lord. Listen, he's not going to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His work for us was sufficient. That empty tomb declares that. The reality is, is of all the things that change in our lives, Jesus does not. Our position in Christ does not. So we have the ability to rejoice in the Lord always. Let's make it a little bit more practical. Some of you are sitting in some pretty broken circumstances right now. And some of you are, are, are just thinking, how in the world can I rejoice in this? 
God is going to do one of two things in the midst of your brokenness and your circumstances. One thing he will always do is he will always be with you. God says that he is with us and for us in Christ Jesus. So no matter where you find yourself, God is there with you. You'll never be in a circumstances that you will sit in alone. I know you feel that way sometimes. I know there's even a feeling of abandonment. But we look to the cross and we realize what amazing thing the Father did for us in Christ Jesus is he abandoned Jesus when he became our sins so that never will he have to abandon us. So we rejoice always in the fact that God is with us. God is for us. Sometimes as he's with us and for us, he'll stand up and he'll say to our circumstances, be still, stop, peace. And some of us long for that. And he's got the power to do it. Rejoice in the fact that he does it or not. You'll never be alone. He is with us. So in Christ Jesus, we have this trump card. This trump card that trumps our circumstances. That he is greater than our circumstances. That he truly is for us. He truly is with us. He trumps our weakness. And oh, are we weak? As we study through 2 Corinthians, that through our weakness, we can see the power of God. You see, we rejoice in the Lord always because he's good enough. We're not. He is. Rejoice. We have a trump card, Christ Jesus, that trumps even our sinfulness. Those things that have separated us from a holy God. Those things in our life, even right now, that should cause us to be banished and sent to hell. Jesus has triumphed and trumped. God's only unique son was good enough. God's perfect son has fulfilled all the father required. His sacrifice was sufficient enough. My brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord always. There's not a sin that will separate you if you are in Christ Jesus from his love and his presence. My brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord always. He's not going to get sick of you and let go of you. He's not going to get up on you in Christ Jesus. He has given us a trump card in Christ Jesus over all of our sinfulness, over all of our circumstances, over all of our brokenness. What an amazing God. And now he says, rejoice. Rejoice always and never be anxious. You see, the reality of this, I think, goes beyond just rejoicing. I think what Christ has done, hang with me, gives us a whole new way, a whole new lens to see life. A whole new way to see all of our surroundings. It changes everything. Not just some things, it changes the reality of everything, the gospel and who we are in Christ Jesus. We need to see all of life, listen, all of life through the triumph and victory of Christ Jesus. See all of life through the reality of Jesus. That's the only way, my brothers and sisters, that we will be able to rejoice always in him. It's interesting, right after he says rejoice always, you ready for what he says next? Be gentle in everything. Be gentle in everything, or be humble. Uh, be even says, we don't like this word soft. What in the world is he talking about? Again, I thought about this gentleness or, or this meekness. Uh, uh, I thought about a tailgate party. And the last time I was at a tailgate was uh, up in that Gator Nation place. 
And those who were not wearing uh, orange and blue, there wasn't a whole lot of gentleness shown to them. You know, they were like, man, we're going to smack you. We're going to kill you. You're no good. And so what's the saying is this to us Christians. We should have a gospel humility in us that we see others and we invite them to our tailgate. Say, come eat our chicken. I got a drink for you. Come participate. Here's what it's really saying. We should be defenders of nothing except for the cause of Christ. We should defend nothing but Jesus and what he's done for us. Live meek, humble lives. What gets you really angry? Where do, where do you lose your gentleness? Where do you lose your considerateness? Uh, my guess is that's when you're defending your cause and not Christ. Be gentle in everything. That gospel humility. And then the next part. Don't worry about anything. That's easy. Let's keep going. Okay. Don't worry about anything? How in the world? The only way we cannot worry about everything is to see it through the lens of Jesus. The good news, don't worry about anything. Let me go back to remind you of the good news. It's not what you do for God that ultimately matters. It's what God has done for you. That's the good news in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Your life's not good enough. Jesus' is, is. Your grip on him's not good enough. Jesus' is, is. Don't worry about it. God is with you. God is for you. He will never let you go. Don't worry. He is in control. Do you know the reality that God is in control of all things or he's not God? That's the only option we have. And you have to look into your circumstances as I have to look into mine. Look into your brokenness as I have to look into mine. Look at the things around you and say, God, really, are you in control? He is. I don't understand him. His ways aren't our ways. I don't understand all the things he's allowed into my life and certainly not into yours. But at the end of the, end of the day, I believe that he is a sovereign God. There's not a molecule outside of his control. Your life is, he's not wringing his hands about you, my friends. He's not up there thinking, oh man, I hope I can get this one right. Whew. I hope I can figure that situation out. That's gonna cost me a lot. I have to think a lot about that. He's God. He's fully in control of every single thing. He is. Yes, we live in a fallen world. Yes, there's consequences to our behavior. But God is God. What is worrying going to help you control? What does worry do for us? Does it help in any way, shape, or form? Jesus says if we worry, it can't even add one millisecond to our lives. He's saying, you knucklehead, I got this. You see, what worry does, and the reason he tells us not to worry, look, look, look at how gracious and loving it is. He tells us not to worry because worry loses our focus. Worry loses our focus because we take our eyes off of him, the one who's in control. We take our eyes off of his son, the one who's earned us victory, and we put them onto our circumstances and our surroundings and our inability and our brokenness. And guess what happens? We worry. He says, don't do that. Your focus is all messed up. Worry about nothing. It only hurts you. It only loses your focus. But then he says something crazy too. Pray about everything, but pray about all things. 
I gotta tell you, this is the one I had to sit there and think, wait a minute, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything? When do you pray the most, by the way? It's when I worry the most. <laughs> I'm praying when I'm worrying the most. I mean, look at how amazingly upside down the gospel is. I got goosebumps telling you that. He's basically saying, I want you to take worry out of the equation. Okay, focus on me. But I want you to pray about everything. What does that tell us about God? What does it tell us about a God who wants to listen? I want you to be amazed that God cares enough about your life to say, tell me everything. Wives, how easy is it to tell your husband the details of your life? Are they listening? Are they giving you their undivided attention? Some of us have texting problems or ADD problems. God says, I want you to come and pour your life out. I just want to be in fellowship. Talk to me. I care. Pray about everything. But the key to this, listen, the key, as the key of rejoicing is in the Lord, the key of not worrying and praying about all things, you got to get this, is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, being thankful for what God has done for us. I love Thanksgiving. How about you? Ridiculous amounts of food. Family, mostly good. Football, come on, that's the trifecta, isn't it? That's pretty darn good stuff. I love Thanksgiving. This will be the first Thanksgiving in, in many years I will not be here. Um, so for the Thanksgiving breakfast, come. Make sure you greet those first responders that I'm a chaplain over. Love on them. Uh, notice those around you that you don't know. It's time to be thankful and give thanks. What I usually do when I go to the Thanksgiving breakfast is eat way too much. Telling myself the whole time, don't eat too much. You're going to have a big meal coming. Blow right by that one. But I also look for those who are displaced. I kind of go and I kind of have my radar out, see uh, who shows up that it doesn't look like they have a place to go after this free breakfast. And we've had the privilege of inviting several of them back to eat with us. And so uh, a year or so ago, uh, we, I met two ladies and found out that they were uh, in a homeless shelter and they didn't have a place to go. And said, hey, good news, you're eating with us. We got room. So invited them and got them to our home and uh, went home and told Allie, Allie, uh, make two new name tags. Here are their names. They come in and look at our family, think, oh boy. But what they did is they got to the table. They saw a name tag. They saw a name tag with their name, welcomed them to the table, and they couldn't restrain the emotion. They felt like they belonged. I mean, the, the, the dinner included them. They were welcomed at the table. And they knew, we knew their name. You see, that, my brothers and sisters, is the good news of Christianity. Is that God welcomes us to his table. He welcomes us to his table of fellowship. And he says, you know what? When you show up there, your name's going to be there. Your name's there in your mind and you're welcome. Come and feast. We're not anxious and we pray always because we're thankful for the work of the Son that has earned a spot for us at the table of the Father. What amazing good news. You know, that gesture was a gesture. I loved having those ladies there. I've never seen or heard from them again. 
And although they had a name at the table, the reality is their name's not a part of our family. But so much better with the good news of Jesus Christ. We are a part of the family in Christ Jesus. We're co-heirs with the king. It's not just as he slapped a name tag somewhere. He spilled blood. He gave his life so that we could belong. Give thanks. Let the God of peace give you the peace of God. I don't know if you picked it up, but there's two things that were said in that passage. He first of all talks about the peace of God that passes understanding, but then he reminds us that he's the God of peace. And the God of peace is the only one, stick with this logic, this is the easiest one, the God of peace is the only one who could give us the peace of God. And the peace of God, the peace that exists between sinners like us and a holy God, the peace of God, of a God who's in control of all things, is the peace that trumps understanding and circumstances. It's amazing. The peace of God is greater than our understanding. Have you ever experienced that? I, I hate to say this, but I hope you do soon. But it will probably mean you're in a pretty rotten place. Maybe it's the day of surgery. Maybe it's the day of divorce papers. Or maybe it's the day of foreclosure. Or maybe it's a day of a lost job. But I got to tell you, it's been true in my life. That God has showed up in circumstances that I have no reason to have peace. And he's just there. And I'm thinking, Lord, really? Man, the peace of God that trumps our understanding. But I love what it says. He says this. The peace of God that will guard your hearts, that's your emotions, and guard your minds, that's your thinking. The peace of God will guard all of that that passes understanding. Some of you live in a fancy neighborhood with a guard station out front. And some of you, you can't be let into your neighborhoods to come to see you unless I pass through with the right credentials and get in. You try to keep the riffraff like me away. Here's what this is saying. In Christ Jesus, there is a guard station that should be over your heart and soul. And there's a guard that's supposed to be passing everything through, uh, all your circumstances through to make sure that you have the peace of Christ. Now hang with me. This This is good. Whatever you let into your life that's bringing you worry, anxiety, that's taking away, you're focusing on your circumstances, send it back to the guard station. It doesn't belong. Send it back. It's got to pass through the peace that passes understanding, the peace of God. Send it back to the gospel lens that reminds you over and over again of whose you are and what God has done for you. Say, God, it shouldn't be here. The reality of who you are and your control, send it back to the guard station. Let the peace of God give you the, let the God of peace give you the peace of God. Fix your thoughts, he says, on what is true. Finally, we're to fix our thoughts on what is true. Who determines what's true? Fix your thoughts on what is true. Is that that true the way you experience it? Is it true the way your circumstances define it? Fix your thoughts on what is true. What is truth? Now, I want to tell you what I believe what he's saying here is this. Fix your thoughts, your mind. May your mind be on the reality of what is true in the big picture of things. What is true of what God has done for you in Christ Jesus? Hang on with me. This is very important. 
Fix your mind on what is true is basically saying, you in Christ Jesus are not an orphan. You're a beloved son. You in Christ Jesus, the true reality is, is you are forgiven and beloved. The true reality is, is that you are precious in God's sight. The true reality is, is that God will never let you go. Live your life out of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See yourself the way he sees you in Christ Jesus. Fix your eyes on what is true. That will give you joy. That will take away anxiety. I gotta tell you, I had a great sermon here that could really tell you, fix your eyes on what is true and pure and right and holy. And it could be a wonderful moral message that will tell you this. Quit looking at porn Stop looking at the things that you shouldn't be looking at. Fix your eyes on what is right and pure. Live a holy and perfect, right life before, the God, before God. Those are all things that we should strive to do. But I think that when he says, fix your eyes on something that's true, he's telling us something a whole lot more than a moral message saying, quit that stuff on the internet or quit that stuff. Yes, quit that stuff. We don't quit that stuff until we fix our eyes on the reality of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. You see, he wants us to live our lives being free in Christ. He wants us to live our lives with our new identity, our new reality in Christ Jesus. That is what is true. And I got to tell you, that's the biggest struggle with me, waking up and saying, am I going to live for what God says is true or am I going to live the way I see is true? Because the way I see is true sometimes. It's my circumstances. God doesn't love me. God's not for me. I, here I go again. I'm a broken sinner. I can't get it right. I'm stumbling and I'm falling. And then, wait, wait, did you hear the first person pronoun repeated like a hundred times? It's all about me. But I wake up in the morning and I realize there's a victory that's mine in Christ Jesus. The truth of who I am in Christ Jesus. Fix your eyes there. May that be the lens in which we see all of life then we will certainly love the things that are holy and pure and true because he does. Lastly, put into practice what you've learned. I love that. Basically, I'm gonna tell you, it's put on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Put on the gospel of what you've learned. Work this into your life. See everything through the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Be reminded that we can do all things through Christ Jesus. Practice this. Work this out. Every single passage that we've looked at in Philippians, there's been a component where God has said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, but it's me who works in you according to do what I want you to do. He's the one who says, I've begun the good work in you. I'm gonna finish it. He's the one last week who says that he's got a hold of us. Uh, He's possessing us as we strive forward in him. Here's the point. Gotta work this out, church. Gotta live out the gospel. But here's the really ridiculously good news. As we do, he's working it out in us. And as we do, he's never going to let us go. In verse 14, he says, we do live in hard times. I know that's true for many of us. But we've learned the secret of the joy in the journey. In one word, Jesus. In one word, Jesus. God will supply us everything we need He says, I'm going to supply everything you need according to the glorious riches. And oh, are they glorious and oh, are they rich in Christ Jesus that have been given to us in him. We end where we start. 
It's all about God. Our joy is found in Him. The good news is realizing it's what God has done for us, not what we do for Him. The good news is, is that He began the good work in us and He's going to complete it for His glory. Our lives should be a tailgate party. In Christ Jesus, you got to see at the table. Your name tag, it's there. And now in Christ Jesus, we can do all things and rejoice. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the amazing way that you love us and provide for us. And that the secret that is found in finding contentment and finding joy and rejoicing always is in what you have done for us through Christ Jesus. Father, I want to pray this morning for those right now that are so lost in their circumstances, so lost in their brokenness, that rejoicing always, just right now, feels like nails on a blackboard. How in the world can that be? Lord, would you let heaven come down? And would you let glory fill their souls? Would you please take their eyes off of their circumstances and put them on the finished, perfect, beautiful work of Jesus. God, I pray that I would be a pastor and this would be a congregation that would rejoice always in the Lord and what he has done because it was enough and he's good enough and that's never changing. And in the midst of these circumstances that are whirling around us, in a life that is hard, we have a Savior that wins and a God who loves and a Spirit who comforts. So may we live our lives knowing that joy, that secret, that Jesus. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.